Turn our Bibles to 1 Chronicles, chapter 16, and we're going to start with verse 1. 1 Chronicles 16, verse 1. So they brought the ark of God and set it in the midst of the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt sacrifices and peace offerings before God. And when David had made an end of offering the burnt offering and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. And he dealt to every one of Israel, both man and woman, to every one a loaf of bread and a good piece of flesh and a flagon of wine. And he appointed certain of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord and to record and to thank and praise the Lord God of Israel. Asaph, the chief, next to him, Zechariah, Jeiel, and Shemaramoth, and Jehiel, and Mattathiah, and Eliab, and Benaiah, and Obed-Edom. And Jehiel with psalteries and with harps, but Asaph made a sound with cymbals. Benaiah also, Jehaziel the priest, with trumpets continually before the ark of the covenant of God. Then on that day David delivered first this psalm to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and, and his brethren. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Sing unto him, sing psalms unto him. Talk ye of all his wondrous works. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his face continually. Remember his marvelous works that he hath done. His wonders and the judgments of his mouth. I'm going to preach for a message this morning. Out of 1 Chronicles 16 verse 11. Seek his face continually. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that every heart be open to receive of your word this morning. Because faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Let that word not only be that which is in this book, but that which flows from heaven. That it may fill us with understanding and give us the experience of deliverance, the experience of salvation. Father, give us life through this, I pray. And everyone who hears and receives, infuse your life into them, that they may live, that they may know what life really is. And I pray for that to be done. We cannot do it just with words, but the words with your spirit, Lord, can penetrate the most dark place in the world, the darkest, worst place that we can ever find ourselves, we can see the light of the gospel. Father, let us see it. Let it reach the depths of our heart. Let it bring out of us, Lord, all of those things that are not useful in your hands, that hinder our relationship with you. Bring it all out. And replace it with those things that will bring treasures that are eternal. And I pray these things in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. If you didn't notice, it starts out with, so they brought the ark of God. What that basically means is they have brought the presence of God into their midst. Understand, I've been to many churches, and the presence of God are, uh, is not evident or manifest in most of those places I've been. And it makes you wonder why. Why is that true? You wish that it wasn't. I find myself regularly, especially lately, praying for all of the churches because God's about ready to pour his spirit out upon all flesh. I believe the last great move of God has already begun. And I believe right now the initial phase of that is for him to gather in the people who really want it and separate those who don't. What I want to tell you today, I believe, will bring you to a place where maybe you've never been before in the Lord Jesus. To bring you to a place where you experience the presence of God. And not only that, you live the life God created you to have. When we think about this, we should be thinking about what Jesus said about this very subject, that we should hunger and thirst after righteousness. What is righteousness? It's really just right doing, doing right. But there's categories of righteousness, especially two main ones, but there's others as well. Categories of righteousness means there's the righteousness of God. There's self-righteousness. There's relative righteousness. There's all kinds of righteousness. Only the type that comes from God, just like anything else, it must come from God to be genuine and produce something eternal. It's that simple. It must be real and it must be eternal to be of God. So what God wants you to understand today, the life that he wishes to give you, is something that begins at a certain point, and it goes on continuously. That is actually what the verse says. Verse 11 will tell you that. Seek his face continually, continually. Why? Because as long as you seek his face, and you believe the truth of the word, you will enter into God's presence. He will manifest his presence to you. You are to live in that state where agitation and fear does not exist. Where you're so surrendered to God that no matter what happens around you, it doesn't phase you. Even if you're in the exact same situations Jesus was in in his day, would you come out being just like Jesus? I don't know, would you? Would you if the the ship's about ready to go down, just stand up, look to heaven, thank your Father, and calm the storm? Oh, you can't do that. He can, but you can't. The truth of the matter is, that's the truth of the matter. But he's with you now. He lives with you, and he lives in you. Jesus told the disciples, he's with you now, but he shall be in you. He's with you now, and after my resurrection, the Spirit of God's going to be in you. And my, there's a vast difference. 
Listen to the experience of Elijah, who in his lifetime saw seven powerful miracles. And Elisha followed up saying, Lord, give me a double anointing. And he did. He saw 14 powerful miracles, right? And that's with men who God was with. What should be happening to people who have God in them now? He shall be in you, and if you're saved today, is actually in you. But part of the problem with that is he's just in you. He's got to get out. The world ain't going to know Jesus if the Jesus is new stays in you. And believe me, you can go give them the words, but they're not looking for words. They're looking for actions. In these last days, I believe a lot of churches are going to be emptied. Because when the need really arises, one that will, uh, can only be met by supernatural power, they're not going to stay where there's no supernatural power. They're going to run to the ones who believe, who have already seen God work to heal and deliver and save and powerfully overcome the enemy. Destroying every work of the devil. God is looking for some recruits in his army. And believe, believe me, armies fight. What are you fighting? There's only one fight for you. There's only one fight you need to ensue in, engage. There's only one fight, the good fight of faith. What I want to do today is give you some ammunition to fight and win the good fight of faith. And I gave you the first clue. Jesus said that we will be blessed, we will have what God wants us to have if we hunger and thirst after righteousness. Whose righteousness? Well, we know it's his because he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, okay? So, that verifies which righteousness he's talking about when he says you should hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now, what is hungering and thirsting? Well, when you get hungry, you know what it is. You, you're, you're basically realizing you need food. You need some type of sustenance to take that hunger away, right? That's hunger. And the longer that you go without food... The hungrier you get. And that becomes the priority in your life. If you're out in the desert, you run out of water. What is your priority? Water. Something that will quench your thirst. In other words, the righteousness of Jesus Christ should be rising in your heart to be the priority. And the ways that God has given us to reach unto that righteousness, to receive that sanctification of his spirit, are the very activities we should be engaged in. And when we're engaged in them, we're fighting the good fight of faith. Mm -hmm. Hunger and thirst after righteousness. I see a little bit of hunger sometimes. 
Sometimes I don't see any hunger at all when I go to churches or amongst people called Christian. Don't see any hunger at all. Jesus says, I'm the bread of, of life. That's how you quench your hunger. Go have some of that. The Holy Spirit is the water, the wine, which he just promised here. He would give it to you. And David, these being his last words, were words of a psalm to give praise to God. You've always taken care of me. You defeated all my enemies. You provided me all of my needs. You've always been there for me. And I just want to say it's time to shout. I'm going out, but it's time to shout. It's my turn to, to get to heaven. I'm next. But while I'm on my way, I'm going to leave behind me a legacy of praise and worship to the one who brought me salvation and deliverance. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what. Things are going to get bad here in this country. All around the world, but especially in this country. Well, less in this country is because there's more Christianity. I'll tell you this much, there's more watered-down Christianity in this country than any others. And I don't want anyone on the Internet to be sending me any letters or any nasty grams or anything like that because I don't read them anyway, so it don't matter, now does it? I'll have somebody else read them just pass on the good ones. No, I'll, I'll listen to criticism. But I listen with this, knowing that what God says trumps what man says. And you can give me your assessment of that, but God has already given his assessment. In the last days, many will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. He already said it was going to happen. And it's happened. The reason this nation is so divided today is because Christians are still in the closet. Unfortunately, it's not the prayer closet. If it was the prayer closet, things wouldn't be as they are. So God is going to have to chastise this nation, and even more so, pour out judgment upon it. It's going to have to. Why? Because it's not going to come back on its own. I'll guarantee you right now, today, that preaching of the gospel is not going to bring this ship the United States, back upright again. It's sinking, and it's sinking fast. Okay? But I'll tell you what's going to happen. When everyone's under the water, needing some air, and Jesus is the only way to get that air, Jesus is the only way to real life, then they'll look up, then they'll ask God, deliver me from the, the mouth of the whale. Out of this belly, Spit me up on the ground and give me another chance to do what you wanted me to do. That's what's unfortunately going to have to happen. Dead, dull, boring religion ain't going to hack it when demon spirits are poured out in this nation because the church has wandered from God and waned from his will. This is a time... Of critical, crucial time, God's going about recruiting some people. People who really, really, really hunger and thirst after his righteousness. 
They hunger and thirst after his righteousness. It says, seek ye first the kingdom. I've read it to you here in this passage too. They brought the ark, which is the presence of God. Seek to be in the presence of God is what it's saying. Seek to be in the kingdom, to be a part of the kingdom, to be active in the kingdom, to be a part of building the kingdom, be a part of enjoying the kingdom. But you know what we do, and you know this is true. We start enjoying the things around us, and we forget about God. It says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That means all of the right doing that we do must be what he wants us to do. As he goes on to say, Father, thy will be done. When you're truly saying, thy will be done, now that at least opens the door for his righteousness to come into your life, guiding your thoughts, guiding your feelings, and guiding your actions. If it doesn't guide your thoughts, it won't guide your feelings and actions. If it, if it guides your feelings and, and, and it guides your, your thoughts, it will guide your actions. It's that simple. So what are we looking to do? We're looking to find the way of life and then stay in it continuously. The way into the presence of God and stay into it, in it continuously. Basically, we are told in these passages, that we are to have God's righteousness working in our life. And you can make up any righteousness you want. And I'll tell you, even the stuff that sounds good, even the stuff that's actually right within its own, is not necessarily right for you if you use what God has given you in the wrong way. What do I mean by that? Well, some people pin their hopes on going to heaven based upon church attendance. Based upon how many times they've read their Bible. Ain't too many going to make it that way if that was the real way because I know whole churches, not a single person including the preachers ever read that whole thing through. I try to read it through three to four times a year. Why? Because I need it. It's the bread of life. If I don't consume the bread of life, I won't have life. And I want you to have life. But remember, you can consume it in a way where it won't produce life. What? It's the bread of life. The word without the spirit is dead, the Bible says. Which means you can't do it. When you go in it, you can't learn it without the Holy Spirit. Too many churches, most of the ones I've been to, they preach, they sing some songs, they do all those things, but the Spirit's not in it. The letter killeth, but the Spirit gives that letter life. And the same with you. You can do any work, and it may be a good work within itself. But the, if the Spirit of God's not in it, then it won't produce the results that God intends it to produce. And if it's not re 
producing the right results. And what are the right re results? It's real simple. I remember Dr. Stone said this many times a year, many years ago in college. He asked his students, he says, what's the uh, fruit of an apple tree? Ooh, I know that one, an apple. Wrong. It's another apple tree. Hmm. Oh, that's true. What's the fruit of an apple tree? Another apple tree. What's the fruit of your Christian life? Another Christian life. Not that you, you just give somebody something, but it actually creates a life. Another Christian life. Another saved soul, in other words. That's the way you can examine where you stand with God. Are people being saved? Are lives being changed? Which is the very thing Jesus went to the cross for. To change lives. To save souls. To bless people. All those things. That's why he went to the cross. And that's what we must present to the world. To see the world saved. Through the blood of Jesus. To see him saved. But how about you? Let's just bring this down to you. Thy will be done. Let me ask it to you this way. The Lord gave this to me like it was at 2. I looked at the clock. It was 2.37 this morning. And I never could go back to sleep after that one. I was excited. I want to tell everybody. Every revelation should get you stirred up. Should get you excited. God talked to me. Well, actually, he talks to everybody. I'm not special. It's just not everybody listens, but he talks to everybody. He's trying to convince everybody of sin and righteousness and judgment. His spirit moves to do this at all times. Doesn't mean people are listening, though. Thank God some are. I praise God for that. So he tells me this this morning. Woke me up. And he says this. Ask everybody today, if Jesus would have done what you did yesterday, I'll let it sink in in a moment, and it's probably going to hurt now. What you did yesterday, and it's not funny, would Jesus do exactly what you did yesterday? If he was here today, would he be engaged in the same activities you were engaged in? Would he have done it the same way you did it? Yesterday, just yesterday alone, examine your hearts by examining what you did. Would Jesus do what you did? You may say, all you ever do is try to put us to shame. No, all I'm trying to do is get the shame out of you. There is now no more condemnation, no more shame to those who are in Christ Jesus that walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. What's that mean? Saved people have two ways to walk. 
in your own righteousness or the righteousness of Jesus Christ, which is by his will, by his word, and by his spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. And most Christians in the church don't even know what that means. I'm putting them down. I'm trying to wake them up. It's time to wake up, Christian. Most People in the church don't even accept the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which was a commandment of God to the New Testament church. We're still in the New Testament, aren't we? It was a commandment. It was not a suggestion. If you look at the word, it was actually like a military general giving a directive to his soldiers. Which is what you don't listen to, if you've ever been in the military, and will bring some pretty severe consequences. Plus, the battle won't be won. The baptism in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. You may know what the Word says, but you can't seem to get it to work in your life because nobody can. The Spirit of God does that part. So you take the Word, have faith in it, the Spirit of God takes it from there. Take the word, have faith in it. How you show your faith in it? By praying it. By praying to God and believing God is going to do what God says when you believe what he says. He's going to do what he says when you believe what he says. He's going to do it when you believe it. It's sort of like this. The Lord told me this this morning, probably a couple hours later. He says, people should be believing him for a whole lot more than they are. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not really sure exactly what that covers, but I guess it could be anything that we don't trust in God, we should trust in God. For example, healing is one of those things. First of all, we should believe that God can heal you. Now, I'm not talking about heal the blind man. I'm not talking about raising a dead man. I'm not talking about, uh, you know, healing the woman of the issue of blood, Jared's daughter, or anybody else. I'm talking about you. You. You should believe that God can heal you. Those things really happen to them. For an example, to you. That God could heal you and you and you and you if he healed them and them and them and them. And you believe the word that says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he's the same today as he was before, then he heals people. Everyone he comes across who has faith, he heals them. Which means what? Number one, you must believe he can do it. All right? Number two... You must believe that he wants to do it. So really ha ask people who, who come to Jesus and say, I don't know if he wants to save me. The Bible says he died for the sins of the whole world. Not everyone gets to experience the cleansing of sins and salvation. He died for your sins and your and and offers you salvation, but you must have faith and go to him and receive it. Right? Am I right? I just want to make sure you're not sleeping. 
Am I right? Yeah. So he can do it. He wants to do it. You just keep on praying. Keep on praying. Now you got to believe he will do it. You got to believe he will do it. That's why if you're sick, we ask you to come on in. Because I believe here, many people have been healed and many more. And I can't believe it. There's been people in these altars who have been healed. And we don't, I don't have no idea. They got what they wanted and left. Like the ten lepers. They, all ten got healed, but only one came back. Isn't that sad? Ten percent. How many people over the years have you seen healed? Many of them instantly in church. Demons cast out in this place. How many times? How many times does it take before you'll believe it? Let, let me ask that. How many times is it going to take? All the times in the Bible, plus all the times he's done it, wherever he's doing it, and you witnessed it. How many times is it going to take for you to believe it for yourself? Hmm? So now this is all about you. Just like I have to apply it to me. Am I really hungering and thirsting after Jesus? Am I really living according to his righteousness? Am I really believing God? Not only that he can do it, that he, he wants to do it, that he will do it. Am I believing the whole thing? I'll tell you who's going to receive the whole thing, whoever believes the whole thing. Another area of our life that is so sad is we're spending times doing, sometimes it's good things, but we're spending time doing things that do not build up our faith or lead others into his kingdom. Seek you first his kingdom to build it, to be a part of it, to live in the presence of, of the king of that kingdom. All things we should be doing on a regular basis. Are we doing it? My goodness, that was a powerful revelation. What you did yesterday, would Jesus have been doing that if he was here? So the true righteousness is him getting his will done in your life as if you are him in this world today. That's why you need to be transformed in the, to the image of Jesus and conformed to his will. That's why you need that. But this can't be something that happens on Sunday after you walk out this church for a good 15 minutes to half hour it sunk in. And then the sounds of the world and the flashing lights and the attractions and the desires of the world enter in and block out what God just gave you on Sunday morning. Or you can take it from here, keep your eyes, which means your mind, your heart, on Jesus and see God start doing something in your life. As they say in the street, know what I mean? Know what I'm saying? Know what I'm saying? Huh? whole lot of things they say in the street. I, I got to explain something to you tomorrow night. 
that the Lord has given direction to this church to do, and it's really not to do, in this church. Because he wants it done everywhere, but if it's not done here, we can't tell other, anybody else to do it somewhere else. In other words, if, if you're not saved, I can't go tell somebody else, you know, you need to get saved if I'm not saved myself. I'm not baptized in the Holy Spirit. I can't go tell Christians you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. If I don't get delivered, I can't go tell somebody else God's offering you deliverance. I have no power behind it. Folks, I'm telling you, there's a sanctification process, a process where God takes you what you are and makes you to what you need to be, but you have to hunger for it. You have to want it, and you'll have to want it more than all those other activities you did yesterday instead. Let me tell you what would be a good day. When you're not in the Word, directly in the Word, you can still meditate on it all day, but not directly reading the Word. Or you're not in prayer, like on your knees or in your prayer closet, separated for very concentrated time of prayer and fasting with that at times. When you're not quite there, when you're not in church, then you should be out there getting stuff done that are it's productive for yourself, for your families, for your communities. Get stuff done. But all of it needs to be led by the Holy Spirit. What you do. Yesterday, I got up and the Lord told me to do three things real quick. I don't know, that's not what I actually plan to do. But you got to let him make your plans. And so I went to the first. I, I, the third one's the one I wanted to do. But I never would have got to what I wanted to do until I attempted to do the first two. And I found what I expected to find, though. People not reacting to the call of God, not accepting the call of God. I got on the phone and invited some people to church that the Lord is calling. And all I got to say, they made every excuse in the world. But they're going to be in these altars asking God for forgiveness because God called them here. They're going to be here. But it's going to be after he has to do something unpleasant in their lives. Now, why would he do that? I thought he loved us. That is love. That is love. Spanking a child, that's love. Letting a child get away with whatever, that is not love. You don't overbear, but you at least correct. Correct with love. By the way, the way you do it is the way he's going to do it to you. I mean, if you overbear do it, he, he's going to correct you that way. That'll teach you not to do it that way. Lord, why ain't you having mercy on me? Why ain't you having mercy on him, her? Oh, my bad. How many times you got to say that in a lifetime when you go before the Lord? My bad. My fault. I was wrong. God's ready to change the church and make the church the church of the last days where he pours out his spirit upon all flesh. He's going to do it 
through a church that is hungering and thirsting for his will, for his right doing, his will, his doing. And if you want that, you can have it. In fact, you can start today. But I, let me tell you something. Don't start and stop. That has consequences. Just like he says, if you come with me with faith, don't let it waver because you ain't going to get anything. Wavering faith produces nothing. But if you come and you let me take control of your heart and your life, and you allow me to lead and guide you, I will then empower you to do perfect righteousness. God's will must be done. Let him do it in your life. That's what living really is. Play the song, brother. The altar is open.